buyers think about purchases more in terms of tasks than they think of it as a step-by-step journey. Look, every business in the world initiates a buyer's journey for one reason and one reason only. They identify a problem that they feel is important enough that they have to solve. Hello and welcome to today's edition of the Black Line Podcast. Mike, I feel like what we should do is we should say um, this is the beginning of the second season. So that way this really huge gap that we've had between the last podcast and this podcast, it would make it sound like it was planned. Do you think, <laughs> do you think people would go for that if we just say this is the second season? Yeah, no, we, well, one of the things we can carry over from the first season is you used to owe me five bucks for being wrong about Steve Powell. I still look, haven't seen it. So, look, my, I, mom, my mom is not going to remember what you're talking about. So you've just like totally blown the context. Of well, you need to go back and watch the, you need to go back and watch the episode or listen to the episode of Steve Powell. Which episode is that? If you can't tell me the know. episode, then, then it never happened. That's true. So... So Mike, didn't you remember, your, but also, didn't your, uh, didn't your son turn 21 yesterday? My son turned 21. Our, our, one of our producers, yes, OG, is, is 21 years old. I'm thinking maybe that's why he's not on today's podcast. And did you talk to him today? He was alive. He was not in jail. Or at least he was out of jail at that point. He was either out of jail or they snuck a cell phone in. And so... Nothing was well, said. Well, they, so they, they probably still have pay phones there. No, because I think the pay phones are all collect calls when you call from, from prisons. So, and they no, tell you true. that is, So, none of that happened. Um, so, I'm thinking that maybe it's a. Uh, maybe they snuck in a cell phone or, or he didn't get arrested, which would be a. Although, you know, that was during the week. I think, I think the, the really dangerous part is going to be coming up this week. Can he, can yeah. he do this weekend? So I also want to be, I know you're trying to go after start, starting a conversation, but I see you've got a very interesting uh, background there, Doug. Did you move off? Yeah. Well, welcome to my new office. Wow. I'm seeing like Churchill there, Titan. Man, that's a green screen, dude. Well, well, yes, it's a green screen. So you don't see the <laughs> whole, uh, but, but by the way, just so you know, this is, this is a little, I have this bookshelf. The books are in precise. Ah, so you took a picture of it and then put it on the green screen. I put a picture. Yeah. So I'm not right, taking so that somebody. That wasn't fair for me. Okay. Right. All right. Yeah, all right so, that's fine. Yeah. so I had so you... and had read all of those books. Mike, would you yeah. like a book? <laughs> it is stuck. All right. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Already. Hey, how about that? So thanks for, uh, you know, every opportunity I'm telling you, I'm trying to professionalize this joint. We're in the second season and, and, you know, Mike, I, you know, we, we just need, we need more from you. I'm, you know, do, do, do we need to call on, do we need to call on the relief pitcher? I, I, we may need to. Is it, is it, is it time to sit, to sit your Joe Flacco down? Yeah. Yep. All righty. Let's uh, let's have a little bit of fun here today. Uh, do you remember? Do you remember the last time? Do you remember when our last podcast was? Uh, I don't know. A couple weeks ago, maybe. No, it was actually before inbound. Was it really? Right before we were going. Right before inbound, correct. 
And so do you remember what happened at inbound? Yeah, the, they announced a bunch of enterprise features and the day they announced that the whole enterprise system failed. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's just, that's brutal. That's me. No, that's me. The spot. Um, now they introduced a whole new methodology around the flywheel and why the funnel is dead and, you know, so, so they ditched the funnel and flew the flywheel. Yeah. I like that. And, and here's the thing, you know, cause, cause we live in this echo chamber, right? Um, and, 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 and so it's kind of funny cause I don't know about your, your Twitter stream, but my Twitter stream for the last few weeks has been, fueled with here's my flywheel is the funnel really dead data box just did a um uh, a piece of content around um around you know the end of the funnel etc and and it's 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 interesting because i think that like everybody that we know directly thinks that like, Hey, wow. Is it the funnel or is it the flywheel or is it this or is it that? And I think if I were to talk to a client or prospect about their flywheel, how I talk to them about their funnel, they don't know what I'm talking about half the time. Yep. So I, you know, there's this whole, it's, you know, in our world, there's this whole crazy thing about funnel or flywheel or, or you got square two talking about their cyclone and this and that and all that other, um, Ridiculous, silly, uh, how shall we say, craziness crap. Um, and, and I think probably most people, not only are they not worried about it, I don't, I don't even think it's a, a thought on their mind. What do you think about that? Agreed. I think it's pure, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just, it, it's marketing. So there's, no, there's, there's not a lot of, there's not a, a lot of substance behind it. It's, it's marketing. Well, you know, let's, let's, let's get into that. Cause I, I think there's, I think there's actually more substance behind it than, than in reality, but I think that the substance is all being missed. Okay. So let me ask you. Expand. Well, let me ask you first, is it the funnel or is it the flywheel? Remember, remember back in, uh, in 92, the question was boxers or briefs. Yep. So today it's funnel or fly boxers funnel or fly. In 92, I was wearing boxers. So there you go. Um, funnel or flywheel. I like to think of the customer, uh, like the way that I interact or a way that a customer interacts that gets the most value out of their interactions with the company is a cyclical cycle. But that's not necessarily a flywheel. Isn't a cyclical a funnel, cycle, isn't that redundant? Well, I, uh, sure. Could we have uh, a square cycle? No. A diamond I, cycle? I, I, I guess we could. A parallelogram cycle? Are you going to let me finish my thought? I don't know. You're the one that decided to talk about my green screen. So you laid down the rules for season two. <laughs> um, whereas the funnel is what we've always learned in sales. And it, the funnel, I think, 
focus is a little bit more on the front end of, hey, I'm trying to bring in, acquire new customers. I think that's, that's the concept of the funnel. Whereas the concept of what they came out with the flywheel, it's, you know, again, this circular motion of not only acquire the customer, but delight the customer, support the customer, et cetera. So I don't know. I'm, I think it's a mixture of both. Okay, you've lost me officially. Good. I have a tendency to do that. So when you say it's a mixture of both, what what do you what do you mean? What's wrong with the funnel? Is there I anything wrong with the funnel? What am, no. Um I don't know, define the funnel what you what define your definition of funnel. Cuz everybody yeah, has drive awareness Awareness, consideration, decision. Well, no, not no, not really that. It's um, well, that's following the straight total HubSpot marketing messaging, no, so, et no, cetera. No, no. But I, I, I focus no, leads, leads, uh, qualified leads, marketing qualified leads, sales qualified leads, um, customers. Yeah, but there's all kinds of stages in between all of those. I might get a sales qualified lead, but then figure out that they like, how do you define a sales qualified lead? How do you define a marketing qualified lead? You know, there, there, there's no single definition to each one of them. Each organization has to determine at what stage are they moving between those. I know right, I'm continuing to lose you. I, I'm, I'm multitasking. Or, or, I'm trying or, to get or, or, or frustrate you. No, 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 no. You're not frustrating me. I'm actually trying to multitask. My computer's being, uh, being crazy. I'm bringing up, bringing up some things for, for today. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to funnel on today, but no, I, yeah, every, every company needs to define what their funnel is. Your funnel and my funnel aren't the exact same thing, but, but the idea of the funnel is, is you start off wide, you know, you have more yep. leads than you have qualified leads. You have more qualified leads than you have uh, marketing qualified leads, more marketing qualified leads than sales qualified more sales qualified than opportunities and the output of that funnel is a customer. Yep. The cycle, the, 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 the flywheel says, at least according to HubSpot is attract, engage, delight. And, and, you know, attract has a, has a, a tendency to favor marketing, engage favors towards sales, delight towards success, which customer redrives, success. um, you know, that the, the, the redrives the attract and you build that up, you build up momentum that builds velocity and that's how you grow your business. And that's how you should think about your business. Mm -hmm. So is there anything wrong with the funnel? And, and, Oh, by the way, um, square two and other people have, um, you know, they say smash the funnel and they've got their cyclone journey and they basically have just added more steps to the, to the aware, um, and I don't mean any, by, by the way. It, no, I, I know you're not meaning it, right. In, in anybody that has a take on the funnel or the flywheel or whatever your approach is, if, if you want to share it and defend it and, and promote it, and you know, as long as you let us ask you questions about it, you are welcome, open invitation, Mike. Anybody that wants to talk about their funnel flywheel or what the fuck is welcome to come on board and, and, and we'll talk about it. I think it'd be a fun yep. conversation. Mm -hmm. So, so they have, you know, and, and really at the end of the day, it, it, it's a lot of just breaking down the, the awareness consideration decision into in more steps with this cyclone that you can go forwards or backwards. 
they have like yep. little cyclones in between. They have a nice graphic designer who, who put that together. Um, so, so let's start off and say, is there anything wrong with the funnel? Because I say there is, there is a lot wrong with the funnel. I say the funnel is a shitty metaphor and a shitty visual. I, 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 I would agree with that. But the funnel is, is obviously the most well-known. It's the easiest way to explain probably to the most junior of junior sales reps how the sales process works or how a business operates from a revenue perspective. Well, I, I also think that one of the problems is, is that 50 years ago, the funnel was the right visual. Mm -hmm. And in some instances, the funnel is still the right visual with, with one caveat. And that is, if you are in mass, whatever, if you're selling mass, if you are high volume, high velocity mass, then, then your waterfall your, your development process, you start off with uh, the world of, of potential buyers and it narrows down and it narrows down and it narrows down. And, and so the reason that we created the funnel is as you work your conversion rates, the numbers get smaller. And so when you graphically illustrate that, you have smaller numbers going through as you plan your conversion basis. And that's why we have the funnel as an analogy, because every time you would run the visual of of that waterfall, you would get either something that looked like this, right? Or you would just make it like that. Right? I mean, can we agree on that? We, right? we, absolutely. And, 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 and so it's easy for math. Um, here's what's wrong with the funnel. Have you ever noticed what, what, if you, have you ever used an actual funnel, Mike? What about a beer bong? <laughs> okay, we have totally gone off uh, off off track there. Um, hey, it's it's a funnel. No, what? Change the oil. Thing. Yeah. Well, of course, I was kidding. I was joking yeah, with you, man. Or, don't, yeah. don't get all defensive. I I know, I know. What happens to the rate of throughput, regardless of the rate of input? It bottlenecks. Right. The rate of throughput never changes. Right. Right. You can only push and, so much through it. Um, and, and so that's, that's the fundamental problem is you can't, the one, well, there's the fundamental problem with the funnel is that, is that you can't drive velocity. You can't change velocity. Your velocity is set by, by the bottom. Now, by the bottom. Now, if you go back to, to, to the industrial age, when, when the funnel was first created, there was actually, we could only produce so much product at any given time. That was your maximum output, right? And, and so there really was a situation where it didn't matter how much you jammed through because your, your, your output was going to be limited by, by that set. Then yeah, so but, we still, we, but we still have that same problem. Or, or, no, no. Huh. You can change velocity of output. Look at Tesla, dude. They were stuffing all these people that wanted a Tesla into the top and they couldn't push it out far enough to the bottom with the cars. Uh, okay. But, but I, I would say Tesla is the exception, not the norm. 
okay. Well, you just said we don't have a problem. Well, one of the biggest, you know, hottest okay. companies in the United States. Are you really going to go there? I'm just saying. Do I need to light up a joint like Elon Musk? Is that what you're saying? Is that, is that where we're going? You should light up a joint. Well, I... I I mean, so, anyway, so, I, I mean, I, I, it's not fair to say that it, it, that you can produce as much in today's world. You can produce as much output as you, as you, you know, as you can stuff in the top. I'm willing to bet that that any company listening to this podcast doesn't have the Tesla problem. Yeah, no, you're, it, oh, absolutely. You're, you're, you're right. On okay. So, um, and, and so, 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 so by the way, that's problem number one, then, then you had people come out and, and there's a whole movement behind account-based marketing. And you know what the, the metaphor for account-based marketing is? It cracks me up every time I hear it. ABM. Flip the fun. Oh, uh, right, right. So they make the funnel upside down. Now that for the life of me makes no damn sense at all because you know what happens when you flip the funnel? You pour through this really small spout and it just falls down and it just all falls out. There's, it doesn't expand, right? It creates the visual of that because you're adding more people through the whole, but, but, but again, it, it begins to lose all its meaning. A flipped funnel is pretty useless. It defeats the entire purpose of a funnel. Mm -hmm. So that, that, that's where we kind of jump the shark there. That's part of it. And by the way, here's the other thing that we've done. We've actually statistically reviewed scalable systems in, in complex sales. And you know what we learned? At the point of scale where you can sustain that scale, the most, um, the most valuable piece of that, uh, the, the, the widest part of your funnel is the middle. And the reason that companies can't scale, the reason that so many companies are struggling to scale and why costs are going up is because they actually haven't built a big enough, strong enough middle of the funnel. They've got great tops of the funnel, but they haven't built the middle. And, and the reality is with how people think, shop, buy, engage, and what, what the buyer's journey really is, is if you're not pulling people in and maintaining that engagement for often extended periods of time, then your cost of customer acquisition is going to skyrocket because ultimately you're still playing an old fashioned game of you got to be able to hit them when they're ready to buy, as opposed to, to really building this asset that everyone talks about um, with modern marketing of, of intention and engage of attention and engagement. Mm -hmm. Right. And so that's why the funnel doesn't work because the funnel wouldn't make a whole lot of sense if it was widest at its middle and because you can do things that will change what your throughput is, you can increase velocity. Um, you know, you, 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 you can change that bottom spout so it doesn't work. And, and so I, would, I, I commend people who are trying to find a different route to the funnel. Right? You with me so far? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm totally fine. You want to you wanna, you wanna, um, talk about Tesla again? No. You just said it, 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 that we didn't, that no company had that problem. So that's why I, I said we don't have that problem. I didn't say no company had that problem. Thank you. We'll have to go back. Maybe we can do a double or nothing. Let's do a double or nothing right there, man. I'll go back. I'll play the tape right now.
Um, all right. So the the problem with the funnel, with with giving up the funnel and going to the flywheel, is they have nothing to do with one another. They're different things. I, yes. Agreed. And so when, when, when you get into the question of funnel or flywheel, it's like, what do you like better, Mike, apples or rocking chairs? Right? One is, one is a mathematical capacity management metaphor. The other is a... I mean, you know, it's, a, it's a wonderful metaphor to think about customer acquisition and customer success. I mean, it's, it's a wonderful metaphor. It, it's a wonderful thing to think about from the standpoint of what tactics do I want to take? What, what am I doing to attract that will drive engagement? What am I doing that will, an engagement that will drive success and delight? What am I doing with success and delight with word of mouth that can then re, you know, drive attract? It's a nice way to think about that. And, and I agree with you about cyclical cycles. Um, again, I prefer octagon cycles, but, yeah. but we go there. Right. Um, and, and we've got our, ve our, our vectors, Victor, um, Roger, Shirley, <laughs> but, but it's not a particularly effective planning tool and it's not a particularly effective, um, sorting tool. Right. What action do I take at what time with what person? Where are they in their flywheel? It doesn't, it doesn't flow. Right. So we know that there are certain things you do top of funnel in, in what has become top of funnel, middle of funnel, bottom of funnel. Right. So, so the, the, the flywheel is a great metaphor for how to think about your customer acquisition um, and success to create a reinforcing loop. Now, by the way, if you really want to know what I think is better, you know what I think is better than a flywheel? I think something like a wind turbine. A helix. Yeah. Or a wind turbine. The wind is the funnel producing the energy to get the wind turbine to run. Wouldn't the wind be the flywheel that would get the things going through the funnel? But sure. You, you want to know why I like helixes? They're spiral staircases. The, instead of just going round and round in circle, you're actually elevating yourself. You bring in, you bring in the lift capacity to it. Yeah. So think about that. Then, then the problem with the, um, the problem with the, with the cyclone journey is, again, if you want to say smash the funnel, go with the cyclone. Okay, now we're not talking about apples. We're not talking about rocking chairs. We're talking about um, lawnmowers, right? Again, it has nothing to do with each other. That, that is, you know, what Square Two has done is they've, they've attempted to define, and I think, there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of validity in what they've done. But, but it's a buyer's journey. It's, it's the journey someone goes through, which is not the same thing as the funnel, right? The funnel is how am I managing my business for health to be able to scale growth? Where do I need to be with things? The, the journey is about the buyer and what's happening there and what actions do I take? And the flywheel is 
the orientation of how my processes should reinforce and drive each other, right? So, so there are three distinct things. Um, and, and that's why I think this whole debate is just stupid. Well, most debates are stupid. But I, I have something today that, 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 that we're going to share. Because I do think that this is a huge issue. Um, more, more on that in a moment. Let's talk about what's wrong with, with how everyone talks about the buyer's journey. What do you think about how people talk about the buyer's journey? What, what, what's your take on? Yeah, I mean, before I, even, before I even started 7 Cents, I, I, I had no clue what the buyer's journey was. Then I started talking to a bunch of marketers who like, this is the buyer's journey. This is the buyer. I, I don't know. You tell me. Like, there's so many conflicting. Everybody has their own opinions when it comes to it. Well, is there a buyer's journey? I think each individual has their own. You know, I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. The problem with how people talk about the buyer's journey and so far every single, I'm sorry, not every single, the, the majority of, of proprietors that are putting out the ideas, the fundamental problem with awareness, consideration, decision with, I forget all the stages in, in square twos. The fundamental problem with, with that is, is twofold. Number one, everyone describes it as a linear journey. Yep. Um, now square two says, no, 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 no. We're showing the cyclone. We, you can go forward, you can go back. Yeah, but you can zigzag, you can go in, you can go out. You can jump three steps ahead. You can jump two steps back. It's, and it, it, is a, it is a chaos journey. And, and on that point, there was a really, um, really good article on the subject. And there was some research done from uh, CEB on this. And if you want to look at what the buyer's journey is, it looks a lot like this. This is the B2B buyer's journey, right? Yeah. We, we've got our linear journey here right? Problem identification, solution, exploration, requirements, building, et cetera. But there's all kinds of mass chaos of how we get there. And especially when you're talking about a B2B situation where you have multiple people involved, no one's in the same place at the same time in the same way. And everyone's trying to create this artificial level of certainty with a linear nature. And then the bigger problem is every one of those, when you look at it, brings about an assumption of purposefulness, consciousness, and intent. Like, oh, I'm aware, and I am now currently researching to understand my problem. Oh, bing! Time for me to move to the consideration phase. I am now searching for... No, I'm like... You said something, you said something very interesting there a minute ago, which was the buyer's journey is, is, is chaos. It's how do you manage the chaos? Well, well, the first thing you do is you acknowledge it. Yeah, right. I, absolutely. Right. And, 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 and what you realize is you have to build a system that's designed to deal with this variance. Right. You, you're, you have a series of open loop systems. More research from CEB. 
it's less of a journey than a job. Back to jobs to be hired theory, right? Buyers think about purchases more in terms of tasks than they think of it as a step-by-step journey. Look, every business in the world initiates a buyer's journey for one reason and one reason only. They identify a problem that they feel is important enough that they have to solve, right? But, but this idea that I go through the awareness phase that is about understand my problem, now I go to the consideration phase to understand the solution? No. For, first off, I begin the journey before I even know I'm doing the journey. You're, you're, exactly. You, you've, already, you've already been down that. I, I don't you're already know down the path of your journey. Right. You don't know why you're looking, you're exploring or, or, or seeing a problem before it's a, before it's a problem. Someone said something three days ago that all of a sudden my intuitive mind like grasped on and I saw something on a website or someone else said something else that made me look at this that all of a sudden, and now I'm going, wait a second, we might have a problem. But I'm not looking at just my problem. I'm also looking at, at what's the solution. It's not, people don't, I wish they did. They'd be a hell of a lot smarter. We'd have fewer problems in the world if people said, let me understand my problem first. Now let me understand the solutions and the alternatives. Now let me understand what people bring and how do they match to my solution, mm-hmm. right? See, we, we, we create this artificial certainty by, by saying step one, step two, step three, when in reality, all this stuff is going on at the same, excuse me, at the same time. The, the other caveat around all of this is they might do all of these things, get through their validation phase, and ultimately still not buy. Yep. And, and one of the reasons for that is, is they're, not, they're not fully aware of why they're doing what they're doing, what they're doing. And what all of these metaphors try to create is they try to create this, this illusion of certainty for the marketer, for the salesperson to, to make it feel like things are a lot easier than they actually are. Right. And, and so we end up going through, and I, and I read a blog post the other day that talked about the handoff of marketing to sales. Like there is this point where it stops being marketing and it starts being sales and how you hand that off is crucial, except it doesn't fucking exist. (laughs) Right. And, and you deal with it. I deal with it. It's the dominant thinking. And so everyone's looking for that point. And, and so they create their, if they create their systems, they create their systems on, on, the, on, on the rational mind theory. Like the person that I'm dealing with is, is thinking and considering and, and going about making intelligent decisions. Um, and I need to be there for that. And that is why, and I'm curious what you think about this, because I know you get hotter on the marketing, I mean, the sales topics. It's why our sales teams have gotten more and more reactive and why sales conversations for most people have gotten more and more painful. It is because we built this idea that the customer is driving the process. Yep. Right. And, and what, what's being missed is just because the customer has the power 
Which Does is it really mean that we can't influence the process. I, I would go beyond that. Or yeah, no, no. I, I actually, now that I think about what I just said, uh, more so control the process. And and if to, since I'm all CEB today, command the process. Yeah. Right. It, it's like I have I have access to virtually all of the research that my doctor has access to. Mm -hmm. But I rue the day that my doctor looks for me to drive the process. But actually, I'm sorry, I really stepped in it right there. It's one of the reasons we have the opioid crisis today is because doctors have begun to do that. Yeah, doctors let you run the process, right? Because right? we come in, oh, I need this. We're, we're, now, we're now demanding things instead of yeah. – um, and, and look, I'm not saying you – know, I'm, not, I'm not suggesting that, that you go to – that we can go back to the old days with manufactured manipulative processes. But, but what we have to do is we have to understand that, that generating revenue is not a single process. It is a complex set of multiple processes that have to be managed. Yep. And each process has to be managed. Do you like that? I sound Canadian there. I know. We're going to go, ooh. <laughs> and then we're going to go buy some joints and uh, act like yeah, you want Legal in Canada now. Legal in Canada. Legal in Canada, yeah. Um, only I read an article today. It only took an hour for somebody to get their first uh, driving under the influence. <laughs> So, you know, manufacturing learned this years ago. And isn't it sad that manufacturers understand this, understand sales better than sales understand sales? Right. Manufacturing almost went bankrupt because they ran their manufacturing floors the way salespeople try to run demand generation, sales and marketing executives try to run demand generation, demand capture and sales. Right, is where we, we think that we're supposed to optimize and maximize every aspect. And if we're, and if we run every, you know, if we get the flywheel to go as fast as it can go, then, then we'll build force and momentum, except that the attract part of the wheel, if it were a wheel, doesn't operate at the same velocity or consistency or any number of other things that, that customer acquisition does, that customer success does. And, and so if I've got a wobbly part of my flywheel, it brings down the whole flywheel. Yep. Right. And so I, I've, I've actually been, been noodling on this now for more than a year. And I think I finally figured out what the right metaphor is, what, what the right visual is. Are you ready? Are you excited? What are you going to call it? You got to wait. I actually don't know what I'm going to call it, but I've got something to call it today. How about that? Um, so, so first and foremost, it, it's important to realize what, what are those three processes or processes, right? So I, I call them the demand generation, the sales process, and customer success, right? Demand generation, and by the way, I think of them as all of them as acquisition processes. Right. Mm -hmm. They go well, 100% their acquisition process. Right. And so demand generation is about acquiring attention and engagement. And, and 
you know, we've talked about Lyft before. We talked about um, intent and engagement. Demand generation is about generating engagement. Sales process is the customer acquisition process, right? That's all about acquiring customers. Yep. And customer success is about acquiring revenue, right? Now, you could very easily say attract, engage, delight. I'm down with that. I have no problem with that. Same thing, same intent. Um, that, that, that works. But the, the problem with this visual that I have here is it, is it does indicate that, that there's a linear fashion and, and it. And yeah, it, there's linear, right. There's no overlap or anything like that. So, so I'm working on this. This is a little bit of an older, of an older graph. But one thing to understand, you know, we talk about lift, right? Well, each one of these is, is a factor of lift, right? If you want to increase your customer acquisition process, you get lift from demand generation, right? If the rate of your engagement, if you're, if you're acquiring engagement at a faster rate than you're acquiring customers, then you're creating the environment for lift. You're increasing the ceiling for you to sell. You're widening your market. That's what the middle of the funnel is all about. Yep. Right? If I'm acquiring customers at a faster rate than I'm acquiring new engagement, I'm actually depleting my market. And so I generate demand. I hire 72 salespeople or seven salespeople, whatever it is. I eat up the engagement faster than I'm generating it. I now have the, the cost structure of however many salespeople and all the the upstream and downstream issues to that, which puts more, which puts more downward, more revenue pressure on, which puts me in a position to further not be able to generate, to, to invest in the generation of engagement. And I create in essence a reverse lift scenario. And so I have to buy more and more of my market, right? How many of your brethren in the SaaS space started out, got to a million $2.5 million of ARR with their primary demand, ge demand generation strategy being pay-per-click. Yeah. Right. And it's still, it's, a right. lot of them just pay a tremendous amount. And, 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 and you think about it on your way to a million to two and a half million dollars, you do pay-per-click, you optimize it. Your, your cost per lead goes down. Your cost per sales qualified lead goes down. Your customer acquisition costs go down. You go yippee kaye motherfucker. Um, just a call out to the greatest Christmas movie of all time. All right. You go, yippee Kaye, we got this thing figured out. Let's scale this mother. But then all of a sudden you start paying more for your pay-per-click. You start getting less and the lead quality goes down because intent wasn't there. And now you got these big hunking infrastructures and now you have to spend more and more money. And all of a sudden your cost, your customer acquisition cost explodes. What do you do? You go raise more money. That's what you do in SaaS, in, in, in private businesses that are self-funded. Th things get bogged down. You lay off people. There's, you know, there's all these things that are happening because you can only, your, your rate of customer acquisition is going to be limited by your rate of engagement acquisition. And then further, if you want to generate more revenue, your revenue acquisition process is going to be limited by your customer acquisition process. 
right? If you're acquiring new customers at a faster rate than you're acquiring new revenue, you're generating lift. If you're acquiring new revenue, you know how many companies and especially SaaS have been bragging about negative churn to me? And I, and I laugh at negative churn. I'm like, yeah, so you've been growing for about two years and you're excited that you got a low churn rate and you're actually, you've actually got negative churn because you've been upselling and cross-selling your way and no one's left yet. I'm like, well, well, dude, if you had churn problem right now, you'd have 50% churn. Because if you've been doing this for two years and someone leaves, that, that's a 50% churn. Right? Yeah. At 33%, you got another year before the first person leaves. Right? It's, it, it cracks me up. So, we're, you know, we're talking about negative churn. We're acquiring revenue at a faster rate than we're acquiring customers. We got that same problem. We're going we're gonna to grow against our structure. Right? Yep. And, and, and the thing is, we, I can't step on the gas and just drive more. As a matter of fact, I was talking to a client yesterday, and when you break down their, when, when you break down the bicycle, and people should listen to the Steve Powell um, podcast, not just to learn that maybe I lost a bet there. But, you know, Steve talked about this, which was, you know, in his market, one part of the market every three years they bought, the other part of the market every, you know, they buy once every five years. Every That's five years, true. right. There, there was a buy cycle to it. And the buy cycle is longer than the sales cycle. And so I was talking with a client yesterday and I said, look, you know, they've got, they've got some big growth plans and they're trying to figure out when they want to turn on the gas. And I said, you guys right now are getting together. You're talking about 2019. I said, guess what? 2019's done. Right? Nothing you do today is going to fundamentally change 2019. What you do today is about 2020 and 2021. And so yep. you're thinking, you're thinking, oh, 2021, we've got our big goal. Well, you better get started on it right now. You better change that game because if you don't grow your demand generation a hunkin' bit, you're not going to be able to achieve that growth rate in year three because you're not going to generate that engagement to get that opportunity in, in the cost structure and, and, and so forth that you have, right? And so understanding that difference is what's crucially important. So you ready? It's all about manufacturing revenue. Isn't that what everybody wants to do today? How would you like it if you could manufacture revenue? <laughs> I, I got a client. He's yeah. a smart, smart, smart guy. Intuitive. Like he is an entrepreneur's entrepreneur, right? And he's an old print guy. I, and the thing that's really interesting about him, and I love him, but the thing that's interesting about him is he loves like, I think his idea of the ultimate thing is a print press. And I'm convinced, and he's, by the way, he's got an amazing floor. You know, his print fabrication and some of the manufacturing does, it's just amazing what he can do. He looks at that machine and he knows, he's like, you put shit into the machine and you know what comes out? And this is how much output I'm going to get out of it. Dollar bills come out. Right. Cause he knows the output and he knows what that output is worth. And he, he gets it. He sees it. He's like, yeah. So like he has no problem spending $5 million for a new press. Cause it's going to increase your, your rate by this and the, this by that. And, and he's like, yep, okay, here's it. Cause I can put, I can, can put more and different shit in and I can get even more dollar bills coming out. 
but he struggles to think about it from from investing in in the sales process, investing in the customer acquisition process. The customer acquisition process, because it's not as uh, as most people do. Yep. Right. Most people wait too long and spend too little to acquire what they want to acquire. So when you think about the when you think about the manufacturing process, if what we're trying to do is manufacture revenue, well, our first process is about demand generation, right? Basically speaking, the manufacturing process for that is you do things to generate awareness, transform awareness, refine awareness to attention, and attention to engagement. Right? Yep. The customer acquisition process begins and I, and I just went with a generic terminology for, for a sales process. So that way, this is sales process agnostic. This is just kind of what happens. So there's the discovery phase, buyer and seller meet, align, synchronize into some form of inquiry process. Could be needs assessment, could be qualification, could be diagnosis, whatever you call it, into an advocacy phase where you're making recommendations and into an execution phase where you're asking them to buy from you and to begin to work together, right? into your revenue acquisition process where you onboard the customer and then whatever your account management process is. And there's a whole bunch of different things that it could be and a whole bunch of different processes um, depending upon what your account management approach is, land expand, um, exploit, upsell, cross sell, any of those things that, that, that happen. Now, one thing that I realize is everybody talks about these things as being a purely linear process. Yeah, and there's, as you see from there's, this visual, there's, there's over. Yeah. Right? So one manufacturing process isn't done. Exactly. The next manufacturing process has to pick it up. I've always talked about this as a relay race, right? And, and if you think about it, the four fastest runners do not always win a relay race. And, and the reason for that is, is how you match up runners is crucially important. Because if I, if I go at one velocity as I'm handing the baton to you and I can't match your velocity as you're picking it up, we drop the baton, we, we get off kilter, and all of a sudden in that transition, we lose all our time. And even though these four people are faster than those four people, those four people win the race. Well, well the velocity, the bottlenecks, the components, all the things that are happening here – are occurring at different paces, different levels of scale than what your customer acquisition process is, right? This is the part where you begin to normalize them for that handoff. Yep. That then also has that overlap into here. So you've got three distinct processes that you're working and your ultimate goal is to optimize for all of them. Now, this is where it gets really interesting. And I believe the single biggest issue impacting growth companies comes down to one word. You want to guess what that word is? You'll never guess it. Sorting. 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 Because here's the thing that makes the revenue manufacturing process different than, the, than most other manufacturing processes. Inputs are not the same. Correct. You you come in and you are ready to buy your first touch. You find out about me. You are yep. ready to yep. buy. Yeah, I'm ready to buy. And then the next person comes in, they want to explore the solution for five months and, you know, 
kick the and tire. And the next person comes in and isn't even thinking about solutions. Right, right. Exactly. Like, I just want to know what you guys do. You know what? They don't even want to know that. Yeah. Right? They have no interest in, in, in anything. They just found whatever you did interesting. You've got a blog that's valuable. You're, you know. And so figuring out how to manage that is crucially important. We've got a, we've got a whole bunch of stuff on the Imagine site about this intent no that's an interesting yeah that's that's an interesting point is the inputs are never the same the inputs are you can do things i think to influence a little bit of the inputs but that's what and, and what you, all you have to do is you, what, what you have to be able to do is you have to be able to sort the input sort the input it, it, I, 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 yes absolutely. so that it goes to the right refinement process right, and at a right. list You've got to figure out what is, A, That's what does intent mean for you, right? And then B, what's the protocol for intent? So yep. there, is, there is one avenue of how you manage pre-intent. There's another place post-intent. Now, there's an aspect where sales does begin to get involved pre-intent, but you're not in a full sales customer acquisition process until your past intent. And because most people are treating everything exactly the same, they're not paying attention to intent. It's, oh, I mean, how many people have you heard talk about from an email standpoint? Well, we, we want a, a nurture where we, we've got a seven email nurture where we start off at the top of the funnel. And our first two emails are going to be top of funnel focused. And then we're going to move to a middle funnel focus. I say that all the time. For example, Sarah comes to your website. She fills out a form. Sarah's looking for a solution today. Like she knows she has a problem and she's looking to solve that problem today. Scott comes in at the exact same moment in time and fills out the exact same form through the exact same paid ad or whatever. But Scott's looking, Scott's thinking, Hey, I, I know I have a challenge but I'm not looking to face that challenge for another nine, 12 months. But guess what we do? We treat Scott and Sarah the exact same, even though they're leaving digital fingerprints behind saying, Sarah's saying in the email space, I'm opening and clicking on every email, I'm visiting your website, et cetera. So I'm gonna try and move Sarah through very fast. Whereas Scott, Scott, was in, he was engaged in the first piece, but now he's not engaging at all. So maybe I should tap the brakes on Scott and take a well, different approach with him. The, 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 you're, you're absolutely right there. I'm going to add Pat who comes on and fills out the exact same form at the exact same time. And Pat's not even thinking about anything. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yep. Yep. And, so sort, I agree. Sorting is, and, is an interesting way of looking at it. And, and by the way, when, when Sarah comes in and she's actively actually looking, what is interesting is a lot of times, so there, you have some Sarah's that are clicking on everything. And you have other Sarahs that aren't because when, because when, because if Sarah comes to your site and, and she's actively looking, a lot of times she's actively looking, she's kind of going through her validation phase. She, she thinks she already knows who she's going to talk to. So she might only download one thing because she yeah. found out about you on a search. And so she downloaded it because she found that interesting and she didn't even think of you as a possible vendor but she's a really high intent and vendor. And that's why all these lead scoring and predictive lead scoring things are crap because they go, oh, well, she only came in, she took one thing. There's not, 
Because you know what? Believe it or not, there are still a lot of people who buy a lot of shit. They don't do a lot of it all. They don't leave huge digital fingerprints behind. Right. You're right. Right. Absolutely. So, so again, but all those, those are the people. Th those are the people that are. They may not leave a lot of digital fingerprints behind, but they they're going to be more active in reaching out. They could be. Because I'm not giving you a perfect why, example. That's why having something like chat on your website is a good thing. Uh, it's 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 what we talked about with Gearheart. It's the fast lane. Like, hey, I'm ready. I don't need to talk to you. I want the fast lane to to whatever you're offering. So it's providing that fast lane. But I agree, the sorting piece is a, is a super 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 interesting. Um, if you're the sales operations head of a company that fits my ideal client profile, I don't care what you're thinking. You're gonna get sorted and treated in a certain way and we're gonna, we're gonna do tests to find out where is your intent. So if you're, cause you may have come to my site not thinking about me from an intent standpoint, but you're actively doing something. Yep. And I know you're the right person because you fit my ideal client profile. I don't need you to do anything else to give me the signal to move to my next stage in terms of how I manage that process. Right. But, but what I have to do is I have to define that person. I have to also define what intent is. So I know what to do to determine it. And I know what to do to how to manage pre-intent versus post-intent. Right. Because think about this. Somebody was on your website today that's not going to do something for three years. Yeah. Right. Here's my question. What did you do today to keep that person? What are you doing to keep that engagement, to keep them here so that when three years happens, this thing cuts over and it's smooth sailing? You've already achieved most favored nation status. That's how you scale growth. Because Today, something happened, if I handle it right, it's going to take care of one of my sales for next year. Yep. And I'm going to get another one the year after that. I'm going to get another one the year after that. And it's going to continue to build. And all of a sudden, I come in and do the same amount of work and I catch bigger, I get a bigger yield because I manufactured engagement. Right? You, you took a day to get to that point. You took three years my manufacturing process is built to absorb that. And there's no cyclone funnel flywheel that, that normalizes that across the board. If you're not looking at demand generation through that prism and realizing that I've got inputs and I've got outputs and the outputs of my demand generation plug into my, plug into my um, customer acquisition and, and to plug into true customer acquisition, you've got to cross the threshold of intent. Now, you also have to cross a second threshold. And the second threshold is fit. Are you the right company, the right type? And what this means is twofold. A, you got to know what that is. And B, you got to understand that if you want to generate scalable demand generation, your demand generation has to support low fit leads. Yep. Right. That's okay. Cause if you manage it correctly, low fit leads have no cost to you. And so you've got these thresholds of intent and fit that take your demand generation process into your customer acquisition process. That becomes your next manufacturing process. And what I will tell you is 
whatever was the thing that led to intent. I like people who come to my site with intent. I like right fit people who come to my site with intent. I love right fit people who come to my site without intent. Yep. And the reason is, is if I can generate engagement before you have intent, then I can influence what causes that intent because whatever that stimulus is, whatever that aha moment is that, that opens that up, that's going to be the thing that dominates how they look at everything else. Yep. That drives the manufacturing process. That's how we should be thinking about scaling growth. That's how we should be thinking about building predictability. That's my story. I like, today, Mike. I like the sorting. And it ultimately all comes down to sorting in all three places. Yeah. It's interesting concept for us all to think about until next episode. Until next episode. Mike, any parting thoughts? I got to run, man. That's my Alrighty, rock and roll. Thanks for joining us on this edition of the Black Line Podcast. And once again, anybody who has their approach that wants to bring it to us, open up a conversation, challenge it, be challenged, you got an open invitation to the show.